Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Earlier on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. You know, I heard that commercial there with Kevin Bowen talking about Cluster Truck. Uh, just remember, that's going to be in here in the 8 o'clock hour. How about that? Mm-hmm. Feel good Stomach's about myself. Growling. Uh It needs to. I went, I went healthier this time, KB. I went with... Uh, this the uh, the Caesar chicken wrap. Didn't you do that last week? I went crispy. Ah, uh, crispy. Wrap. Maybe that's Very what good. I went with. Yeah. Very good. On I'm that saying then. that's uh, healthier. I'm not sure if exactly uh, if it is or not. Rick Carlisle going to join us coming up at eight o'clock. If Aaron Nee Smith is out, uh, and if he is out for how long, we'll dive into that conversation with him. The All Star Weekend, Halliburton, Mather, and Miles Turner all around doing a bunch of great things. So we'll talk with the head coach of the of uh, your Indiana Pacers. Coming up here in about 20 minutes. Uh, Michael Pittman, we have some sound we want to play, but just general thoughts as this opens the window where he can be franchise tagged. It won't be any of the other tags that are out there, although we can talk about that. But, you know, the franchise tag, if you look at ESPN or CBS or anything else, and they kind of go through each team. Hey, here's a guy that could be tagged. You know, the Giants could tag Saquon Barkley or, you know, will the Kansas City Chiefs tag Chris Jones and bring him back for well over $30 million. I think it was like 32 mil I, I saw per year. Or will they finally, you know, it's been over a year, year and a half. Will they figure out something long-term with Chris Jones? You know, you mentioned Chris Ballard in the first segment. You mentioned Chris Ballard. You know, if he has all the way until June to do something, well, why would he do it now? And, you know, I got thinking during the break, it, it's not a, you know, will Pittman be tagged? I almost view it as... When will Pittman be tagged? And he absolutely should because I think you mentioned two things. They have some flexibility here. Now, if they bring back Pittman at a big number and Grover Stewart at a big number and Kenny Moore at a nice number and uh, the draft class that you'll bring in and maybe a small free agent here or there, veteran that you can add, maybe a wide receiver corner we shall see, uh, you're going to fill up that cap space pretty quick. So it's not like you're going to go out and, and get a Chris Jones or do some high bid shopping along the way. But you mentioned if you wait until, you know, if you wait a few months here, you have combine and draft, and then you have the start of free agency as well. And while you may have a good handle on how some of this KB is going to shake out, you truly don't know when the draft evaluation process and conversation really is now just picking up. So I bring all that up that, You know, it's not will they, it's, you know, we could ask, should they? They absolutely should uh, put the tag on Pittman. It gives them time and it gives them ultimate flexibility if there is, and we've said this with the Pacers now for the last several weeks, if there is a big swing that is out there, it leaves you flexibility to look into that. And you don't know how the draft is going to shake out. You don't know who is going to be available there at 15. You don't know if there's someone right there at 13. You say, hey, let's move up a spot or two uh, to try to get this particular player. And of course, wide receiver would be on that list. So 
I think it's common sense. I think you tag him. It gives you time. Uh, he may not listen. The bugaboo is he may not be there uh, for some of the offseason stuff. Can you live with that? I think that's something they probably will be able to live with, knowing that when you know the time comes, Michael Pittman will be there. Yeah, and I would add one more thing. You know, you talk about wiggle room, and you mentioned okay, who could be there at fifteen? Who could be there at thirteen? You never know when all of a sudden a Tennessee Titan, hey, A.J. Brown's for sale, you know, pops up. And those are some of the wiggle room things that I'm talking about here with tagging Pittman and then leaving that window until mid-July. I guess before a long-term deal, uh, before that deadline comes. I think the franchise tag can be confusing for some people, so I think it's good that we just lay out exactly what it would mean. Again, in the next two weeks, starting today, you have a window to use the franchise tag. If you tag him on the exclusive tag, that is a one-year contract just north of $20 million for the 2024 season. You would keep him out of the open market, which again, free agency begins March 13th. You would then have until mid-July to get a long-term deal done right before the start of training camp. If you don't tag him by March 5th, the end of this two-week window, that means you've got eight days left until free agency starts to get a deal done. If he if you don't get a deal done with him in that eight-day window, then all of a sudden he hits the open market and he is free to sign wherever he wants. So I want to start there. Now, again, Andy, I like the idea of a tag and then you let free agency play out, you let the draft play out, which is in late April, but as soon as that calendar flips to May, 98% of the major offseason stuff in the NFL is done. Right. Free agency, trades, the draft, that start of May, that's when I get the long-term deal done. Because then what does that allow? When you get to mid-May and the offseason program picks up and 7-on-7 and 11-on-11 and OTAs and eventual minicamp, that's when you get it done, the voluntary portion, Michael Pittman now has a long-term deal, and he looks at it and says, oh, okay, I've got a few more guarantees that are now out into 2025, 2026, 2027, et cetera, et cetera. I'll participate. Because I do think it's important for Anthony Richardson to have right. his top guy out there for you know, 13 off-season sessions there. Uh, and that's the hiccup for guys on the tag. You saw it last year with Saquon Barkley. You know, I know Jonathan Taylor wasn't tagged, but it was kind of a similar situation. Guys that know that a long-term deal is coming – they don't want to get out there until the long-term deal and pen to paper has been put on it. Yeah, and I don't blame them either. They don't I, want to risk no, it. And, and, and you know, Pittman it. has been the definition of, of consistent and sure. durable and reliable. So he, to me, deserves the benefit of the doubt in whatever, you know, waiting on that. And I have little doubt that when it's time, he's going to show up. But still, it's important for Richardson's development to um, have him out there. I know some people will push back a little bit and say, you know, what makes you think all of a sudden Chris Bauer is going to pay this type of money for a whiteout? And I get that it's more money. Granted, the salary cap continues to rise, so I don't think the contracts, even from two years ago, look exactly the same as they do now. But Andy, he's paid non-premium positions before, whether it's Shaq Leonard, whether it's Jonathan Taylor, I mean, like, so if you're paying those sorts of spots, you better pay the premium. Well, he just paid the running back, and the running, I mean, it's the most taboo thing ever is to give the kind of contract he gave to Jonathan Taylor. In the entire league, that's a position you don't give that money to. Well, and again, whiteout to me, it matters more, and it especially matters more when you have Anthony Richardson. Oh, it's magnified in this so, offense, no doubt. 
I also sit here and think to myself, Ballard has not let a lot of quality draft picks of his own walk. I mean, again, maybe a better question for Joel Erickson when he joins us coming up at 9. But outside of like Bobby Okereke, which I think was just kind of a numbers game, I, I can't recall too many good draft picks the Colts have had. He played hundred percent of the snaps, by the way. Last yeah, I mean, very—he's he, a good player, very fine man. player. But yeah. again, yeah, when, but you're Leonard, when you're paying when you're paying Franklin, sure. when you're paying well, and they speed. drafted well. Look at look at who they've been. I mean, they were able to get rid of him and Shaq Leonard, and they moved on and they set a franchise record in sacks this year. So that's where I also just feel like there isn't really a case study where they've let in a quality player that they've drafted walk. Could Michael Pittman Jr. have more production? Certainly. But Michael Pittman Jr.'s agent, the first thing he would say to the Colts would be like, hey, will you show me a list of quarterbacks my client has played with for your football team? And, and will well, you tell me what you have thought about those quarterbacks? Which is probably the more important thing. <laughs> sure. Okay, because his four starting QBs, and when you talk primary starters, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew. Yeah, Gardner Minshew. I know. Andy, that is one year, that is one year, one year, and one year. Like, it, it, So, again, could his production be higher? Sure. But also, he's played with a lot of guys that the Indianapolis Colts have said largely. The Rivers one is probably the biggest debate. The other three, Colts don't want those dudes anymore. They don't want those dudes to be the starter, certainly. Gardner Minshew could be back as the backup, but... Um, so yeah, I, I just I don't think there's a great plan B at all. So that's why I've been so steadfast in keeping Pittman, uh, probably tagging him just because it leaves you a little bit of flexibility. It, it won't I won't fret too much if they all of a sudden hand him a long term deal tomorrow. Andy, four years, ninety six million. I won't lose sleep over it, but it does probably eliminate a little wiggle wiggle room for you if something big arises in the next couple months. Yeah, Pittman has all the leverage in this relationship, my man. Uh, I mean, you can just, you know, you've said with some of the Grover Stewart stuff or Blackman, hey, go ahead and, and pop on that Texans tape. Go ahead and pop on that Atlanta Falcons ooh, tape. Ooh, stop. <laughs> I mean, that Atlanta game and Pittman being what out were Alex is, Pierce and DJ yeah, Montgomery's numbers Dude, in those I mean, games? like legit, that's one of the reasons they missed the postseason. You know, Pittman gets injured in the Pittsburgh game, has a concussion. It's scary as hell. He's out. Uh, here's Michael Pittman. This is the last day this is cleaning out the lockers. Obviously, uh, you were there. Reporters were there, and they asked him about the franchise tag. Here's what he had to say. Well, I mean, I mean, the franchise tag. I mean, like, I don't think anybody would be displeased with twenty three million dollars, but, um, <laughs> but, um, I mean, like, I don't even really, really, really know. I mean, the franchise tag is like just like it's almost like a. Um, tag or respect obviously because you get paid in the top five like of your position but do I necessarily want to play on one like I wouldn't say necessarily uh no I do not want to play on a tag but um you can use that to work towards a long-term deal as well yeah see I think that's good from Pittman he's conflicted he's like it's a lot of money right now but I also don't have a long-term deal but we could figure one out let me ask you this if you I don't think we've ever talked about it from this respect and by the way Rick Carlisle in 10 minutes here on the wake up call on the fan there is a conversation out there. If you if you Google this, you will see a lot of Michael Pittman kind of wants to see his worth on the open market. Do you believe that? Uh, or is that just one of those things that you say in a negotiation so you make sure Ballard comes correct with the wallet? Does I, that make sense? Yeah, I, I can believe it. I mean, his dad is a 10-year running back in the NFL. I mean, yeah, I think guys want to see what their market looks like. I think we all would be foolish and naive to act like 
us in those similar situations wouldn't. So how does it change this situation, but I guess? again, the Colts are in control. The franchise tag is a tool, and it's an advantageous tool for the team in that, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. is a second-round pick out of four-year deal. So he's under team control for four years. And if the Colts want to... He's under team control for a fifth year. Right. Now, again, they'd have to pay a lot more. But You would have to pay a lot right. more. Josh but Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, they both could have that happen to him this season. That's the franchise tag weapon being so advantageous for teams versus the player. It delays the long-term money for the player. That's why the player doesn't like it. But as Pittman says there, it's a lot okay, of money. I am compensated yeah. pretty handsomely for one year there. I thought Pittman's answer, it's a great was, answer. Was, a, was a great answer. By the way, I went back and looked at that Falcons game. <laughs> oh my god three catches 39 yards was the leading receiver that's what i'm going with so the combined production from <laughs> alec pierce and dj montgomery that day is the outside wideouts they played 132 offensive snaps oh my okay? god they were targeted 11 times in the game four total <laughs> catches for 38 yards oh so i was close and if i'm not mistaken i'm looking at the final drive of the game here like Pierce catches one for 15 yards with 41 mm-hmm. seconds to go. The score is 29 to 10. Yeah, yeah, it was a blowout. Yeah. So, I, like, it, so even does that then, even count? Yeah, yeah I'm you, with you. It's like Mackenzie and Baco knocked in two threes the other night. Like, do they really count towards what Michael Woodson's team did? So again, I said three for 39, and it was four for 38. That's pretty good, man. That's a good memory. That that is very very impressive. Is Pittman Jr. a number one? Is he a top eight wide on the league? No, but. Is he a number one for your operation? Hell yeah. And again, what is plan B? That's the question. We did that exercise last week, Andy. Of I tweeted out to our audience when I wrote a story on Pittman Jr. I asked this in all seriousness. If you let him walk, what is a realistic plan B for this team? And it's difficult. It's very difficult for me or even our audience out there, followers, et cetera, et cetera, to give me something that all of a sudden I sleep better at night. It's not the ideal corner to be backed into. In a perfect world, Andy, Alec Pierce would maybe have had, you know, six for 130 that day, and he would be a 900-yard guy. And again, Pierce can play the same game that Pittman can play and say, look at the quarterbacks that I've played with. Um, But still, I just don't see anything that makes me sleep better at night. Uh, Randy Mueller of The Athletic. Didn't you beef with him over yeah. an article maybe two weeks ago? He acted like ago? wideouts weren't important because Patrick <laughs> Mahomes and Travis Kelsey won a Super Bowl. Well, here you go. He has Michael Pittman. He ranked his top, I guess, 100. He ranked his top uh, NFL free agents. This is up on The Athletic. He actually has Pittman at 32, and he has Pittman ahead of guys like Mike Evans, Josh Reynolds, and T. Higgins. It's the first time I've – usually these lists have Higgins over Pittman. Whether you like it or not, usually Higgins, you know, he's a little bit more of a flash guy, uh, but he's been dealing with some injuries. I would take Pittman over Higgins. I think Higgins gets the franchise tag as well. What is the latest on Aaron Neesmith? Where are the Pacers at? Returning from the All-Star break, Rick Carlisle joins. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 
Michael Pittman conversation. You miss any of that, 1075thefan.com franchise tag. We'll see what happens there. We'll stick with that story uh, as we go today. Joel A. Erickson will join us coming up at 9 a.m. from the Indianapolis Star. Well, it's a Tuesday. You know what that means. It's 8 o'clock on a Tuesday. Rick Carlisle joining the show here. Pacers head coach on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, uh, a good morning to you. I guess between traveling and, and hanging out with the family uh, and everything else, how much did you get to see of All-Star Weekend? Your guys uh, showed out pretty well there over the weekend. What did you make of all the views from Indianapolis? Well, that was great. I saw the majority of it on TV. And, uh, you know, Miles and uh, Ben and Tyrese did great in the skills. Uh, Ty, Ty was great in the All-Star game. Um, and it just it just looked like Indy really – uh, repped extremely, extremely well um, as a city, as a as a hosting uh, city, um, and you know it was it was great. I you know I mean so many good things going on. Does Rick Carlisle care that the game uh, was in the two hundreds? <laughs> that the East that the East had over two hundred points. Do you care at all about that? That was that was the big national discussion yesterday, Rick. Yeah, I I don't know. I, yeah. Um, you know, you, you want you want scoring in an All Star game, right? I mean, and I understand all the discussion about the you know what the game looks like and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but you know, I I don't know. Seven eight years ago, did, did anybody think we'd be seeing guys routinely pulling up from half court and? jump shots. I mean, it's pretty spectacular, you know, if you really think about it. Rick Carlisle is with us here. Pacers back to practice uh, later today and Thursday night. Pacers and Pistons as they get their final 26 games started here at, in the second half, more like the final third of the season. Uh, Coach, uh, how is Aaron Neesmith doing? What's your expectation with him after uh, he got hurt uh, in that Toronto game? Uh, he's doing better um don't know you know exactly what this is going to look like in the next three days but um you know i I think the good news was it looked like it could have been a a really really bad injury when it happened um his reaction the way he hit the floor etc etc it's it's looking uh like like an more like an ankle injury uh, than anything having to do with a leg or anything else. So that's good news. And uh, in terms of timetable, don't know. Don't, not sure if you know Thursday's uh, a possibility or not. Uh, we certainly hope it, it, it is. Um, but if it isn't, we're not going to push it. I mean, he's too important to us. He's having a he's having a great year. Uh, you know, amazing levels of efficiency on offense and one of our best defensive players and and one of our good rebounders as well. So, you know, we'll hope for the best and kind of see more of what's what when we get in there today. Will you manage Tyrese at all this week in a particular way as, you know, he obviously did a whole lot, not only activity-wise on the floor, but was a busy, busy man off the floor as well uh, this past weekend? Well, he... He is uh, not required to practice today um, as a, an all-star game participant. So um, 
we'll figure out the best thing to do there. I, um, my guess is that uh, he will participate in some treatment, some strength stuff, maybe a little bit of light shooting, but I do not expect him to practice today. I don't think it would be a good idea. Um, you know, from afar, I'm <laughs> I'm watching a lot of this stuff on Instagram, and it seemed like he was everywhere all the time. And so um, he's got to be tired, um, but we got to get him ready for Thursday because, you know, Thursday is the beginning of a very important stretch for us, and we obviously need him. Rick Carlisle, Pacers head coach, joining us here on the Wake Up Call on the Fan. He joins us uh, Tuesdays, 8 o'clock on the Payless Liquors Hotline. So we've been through Neesmith and obviously Halliburton. And one guy I'm so interested to ask you about is Benedict Mather. And, you know, last week, a, a week ago, last Tuesday, coach, you said to us, you know, his his health was worrying you. He had the leg injury, had the, the illness, obviously, going around the team. And then, boy, this weekend, he looked like he got some of that pop back, whether it be on Friday night. You know, the Rising Stars game, winning that, and he was just out and about in Indianapolis. Uh, what did you make watching him this weekend, and uh, how do you think he is feeling, and how vital is he uh, for you guys the final 26 games? It does seem like, you know, the last couple weeks he's been up and down with health. Hey, 20 years old, he looked fine to me this weekend. <laughs> what are you going to say? Um, I think he needed the, the couple of days off. Um, you know, including the Toronto game at Toronto. Um, but talking to uh, Josh yesterday a little bit about where guys were, um, it seems like uh, Ben's feeling much better. Whatever happened in the New York game, I know we broke that news last week that, you know, he was probably going to miss the game on, on Wednesday. Whatever happened in New York, um, that led to you know him just not looking at himself in Charlotte. I, mean, I, I think I, my sense is that you know that that's resolved itself pretty well. So um, you know I expect him to be a full participant in practice today, unless I hear otherwise. Um, and uh, you know all our guys are important. I mean, look what Shepard did in the <laughs> in the Toronto game. I mean. You want to talk about the importance of depth in the NBA? I mean, here's a guy that has not been in the primary rotation really at all this year, but in the fourth quarter, he hits two big threes. He got the big stop on Barrett on the last play of the game. And uh, so, yes, uh, Ben's important. You know, Shep's important. I mean, all these guys are important. We're probably going to need some of our two-way guys to be ready to practice today as well. Coach, not to get too personal, but you said you were checking out Instagram. I want to throw you a follow. If so, is is this your own Instagram account that you were perusing over All-Star Weekend? Uh, gosh, I don't know if what I'm allowed to say here about this, but... Um, yeah, I know I, I have an account. It doesn't have my name on it, but I, I, I have it so I could follow Abby and, and follow our players and stuff like that. And, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of it. Rick Carlisle here, scrolling through Instagram over All-Star <laughs> well, Weekend. Now, now, now I'm trying to find, is it, you know, Pacers Man 15 or what? And now I'm trying to find I don't think you're going to get no. any reveal <laughs> I don't think on so that. Either. Again, Pacers back to practice today, coming up Thursday night. Uh, a lot of home games out of uh, the All-Star break. It'll be the Pistons on Thursday. Uh, Coach, you kind of said it. It's so many appearances for Tyrese Halliburton over All-Star Weekend. Um, one I was listening to, he was on with uh, J.J. Redick, and 
uh, they started talking about kind of in game and you, you know, calling out a set from the sidelines. And at times, you've given Tyrese and I, and I believe all of your point guards, if I heard Tyrese correct, authority to kind of trump you if they see something that whatever is 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 different than you're observing. Or I forget exactly how Tyrese worded it. When did that like occur to you as, as a coach? Has that always been something you've done for two decades of letting your point guards I, trump you, for lack of a better word? And, and how did it come that you know all of these guys uh, have that uh, have that authority with you? Well, two words: Jason Kidd. Um, when he was uh, when I was with him in Dallas the first year, we got off to kind of an uneven start the first year, and our our, our season turned when it just became obvious to me that, you know, uh, the best thing for us was to have him do the play calling, do the really orchestration of the offense. Um, Jason had such a great feel for his teammates. He was like a scientist out there. You know, he just, uh, he he could just (laughs) control the game. And, and Tyrese has the same, has the same abilities. Um, And, you know, something happens. Something happened in the Toronto game that was that was uh, a great example of this. And you know, I I called something that you know had been a good action for us, um, and it was you know a, a play where there's a ball screen and 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 Nemhard's handling and and Tyrese is a screener. On part of the ball, on part of the ball screening action, it's kind of a misdirection type thing, and it's because teams play Tyrese so closely. Um, a lot of times, you know, he's like Steph Curry; it it, it turns into a, like a double screen, and somebody gets wide open. Well, <laughs> this is the fourth quarter. Like this is when the game is really on the line. I mean, this is I don't know whether you know tie game or maybe we're down two or something. I mean, we were fighting back the whole time in the Toronto game. And, you know, as a coach, you just, you know, you, you gain a feel for these kinds of things. And, you know, the year we won our championship in Dallas, um, our, our year developed into a year where we were just playing the game. We were making very few play calls. Like, in the finals against Miami, Miami was so good defensively that if you tried to run something where people like started in certain spots and it looked like a regular NBA set, I mean, they would just blow it up. And so we just became the, the, the random team. But anyway, in this instance, <laughs> you know, Nimhart comes off and, and, and the, <laughs> throwing the ball out of bounds, you know? So, I'm thinking to myself, oh, geez, you know, so I, I said, I, I'm just going to let these, I'm going to let Tyrese just run this thing at the end. And he and he and Pascal got together and they just, they, they found some situations that turned into positive situations. And the last couple resulted in Pascal making, you know, he made one really difficult shot on that kind of that right elbow area. And then the last one, he rejected a screen and, and had the floater uh, on the left baseline, which in effect turned out to be the game-winning shot. So, you know, that's that's an example of it. You know, sometimes your team needs help. Um, sometimes, you know, it's best to stay the hell out of the way. And so um, that's kind of that's 
kind of the best example I can give you of something recently that happened. Uh, Rick Carlisle with us here. Payless Liquors Hotline, Pacers head coach. Was it day one you give that authority to your point guard in Tyrese Halliburton, or how long did it take for that kind of relationship and trust? When did that click? Was it last year, this year? When did you give him, uh, I guess, autonomy? Yeah, with him, it was pretty much day one, yeah. I mean, I, I knew that we were getting a franchise caliber point guard, and sure. It, it, you know, it's it's just it's important um, to you know to show that trust right off the bat. Um, and he was coming into a new circumstance. I was aware of what Sacramento had been doing with their system, and you know, Ty Ty was uh, kind of the starting two guard for for Sacramento. Like he had he and Fox started together, so he would kind of start playing off the ball and then, you know, they, then when Fox would go out, he would play point and then, but they also had Davion Mitchell. So it was kind of, a, I don't know that he was ever the full fledged point guard there, but with us, that's, that's who he was and that's what we needed. And so, you know, it was just, uh, it was a nod to my belief in him right off the bat. And, uh, you know, it's, it, 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 you know, it's like that, it's like that commercial about, you know, hey, we need a hit. Uh, should I put in J- Derek Jeter or this, you know, seven-year-old, or should I pick Barkley or this other kid over here? You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, the, the easiest decision in the history of decisions, you know. So, um, and obviously it's worked out well. <laughs> I would say I, so. I would say so. Needless <laughs> to say, it has, yes. <laughs> Rick Carlisle with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Again, back from the All-Star break. Pacers will get on the practice floor later today. Coach, you mentioned some of your two-way guys being ready to practice today. Um, I don't know how much you got to watch Jarris Walker, you know, obviously from you know video when he played out uh, west with the G League team here a couple weeks ago. It looked like he had some you know nice games. What, what did you either hear? What did you observe with your own eyes from him and uh, his uh, latest progression? A lot of growth, a lot of progress, um, a lot of uh, really, you know, evolution of, uh, of approach to each game. Um, I think I mentioned this to you guys, you know, maybe it was last show, maybe it was two shows ago, but you know, I, I talked to him, Lloyd, Lloyd Pierce and I uh, talked to Jairus. Like, you know, Lloyd's kind of the liaison between the uh, G League team and our team. Um, he does a lot of the uh, a lot of the scheduling, you know, we talk about it, et cetera, but he comes up with, you know, the I- ideas of what's needed. And, you know, Jair- Jairus had had, uh, he had some, you know, uneven um, situations. You know, where he played okay, um, but he was feeling—he was feeling like, you know, he, he felt like it was a punishment that he was going to play with these guys. And we explained to him that, look, this is this is the opportunity that you need, and here's how you need to look at it. You know, uh, this is a growth thing. Um, this is a maturity thing. You've got to look at this like this is your team and it's your responsibility to put these guys on your back and not just score points, but to lead and to engage with your, with the coaching staff and to 
find ways to win games. And so I, it's interesting you ask this because I, I ran into Tom Hankins um, yesterday. He's the coach of the Jews. He does a great job. Um, and I said, Tom, how, 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 uh, how did it go with Jarris? It looked like, you know, uh, from some of the stuff I saw in statistics, and he said, he said in these in these four games, he was a different person. He was a different player. Um, he was the leader of the team. Um, he went to every optional shoot. Um, he competed. He he he, uh, he he got together like competitive things during the optional shoots and stuff like that. And look, this is this is the kind of growth that you need. And this is why the G league is so important. And so, um, he'll be back today. He'll be practicing today. Um, and you know, this, this kind of progress, uh, puts him in a, in a better position to help us, you know, if needed this year. Um, but it just shows maturity. It shows that, you know, he's, he's understanding what this is all about. And the thing that I've told him, you know, all along this year is that, you know, time flies by, you know, and this year is going to go by quickly. And if he, and if he doesn't take advantage of this opportunity, I mean, he's letting something um, very valuable pass him by. And, 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 and now it's clear that, that he is getting it. And um, this is helping him a lot. Coach, we'll end with this. As always, we appreciate your time. Um, back to practice later today. What was the favorite thing? I know you were a busy man, a lot of family time over the last week or so. What was the favorite activity that Rick Carlisle did during his All-Star break? Well, as I, as I mentioned to you guys, you know, whenever it was, a couple weeks ago, you know, I, I took the stayed over in Toronto. My brother came, stayed over in Toronto. We took the train the next morning to Brockville, Ontario, about a 10-minute ride to my hometown in Augsburg. Spent a day and a half with my mom and dad up there, which was which was great. My dad's uh, 94 in September. Wow. Um, yeah, and he's just uh, <laughs> he's got the greatest attitude of of anyone I've ever known in my life. I mean, you know, here's here's his approach to life. He says, you know, if I hadn't smoked between ages 18 and 32. I'm convinced that I would live to be 130 instead of 110. <laughs> I love you know? it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so there was that, and then uh, then caught a flight, caught a flight down to Charlottesville, and, and spent the uh, the fifth weekend with Abby and met Donna down there. And so we had a great weekend down there with hers. Went to the uh, UVA Wake Forest game um, on Saturday at noon. Uh, I had a wonderful experience at courtside for that game, and it was the opposite of the NBA All-Star game. Uh, UVA won that game, I believe it was 47-45. to 45. Um, And they are one of the greatest defensive teams you'll ever see. And it's, it's so interesting, you know, sitting in that crowd. That is a college crowd environment that really gets into defense, you know, with the way Tony Bennett coaches defense. And so, uh, and so that was cool. And then, uh, yeah, we hung out with her and her friends on Saturday night, um, met all them, you know, we just, we just had a really, really cool few days and got back, uh, yesterday afternoon. So all is good. 
We might need some weekly wisdom from Mr. Carlisle there. I absolutely love that quote uh, from your father there. How the life uh, lived. Well, he's got you... he's got plenty. He's got plenty of it. He's willing to <laughs> share. Let me tell you that. That's great. I can imagine. Good for him. I can imagine. Sounds like an awesome weekend. Glad you got to spend some time with the family and your players. Certainly held the fort down here quite well. Uh, good luck this week, Coach. And as always, thank you for the time. Okay. Thanks, guys. Be well. Take care. All right. Our number. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Three hanging out with you in the drivehuber.com studios. KB and Andy, wake up call here on this Tuesday. You miss any of uh, Rick Carlisle? Had him on at the beginning uh, of the eight o'clock hour an hour ago. Check that out at 1075thefan.com. Besides the Pacers conversation, man, we spent a lot of time today uh, on the Colts. The first day, the first minutes, you can put the franchise tag on a player. Michael Pittman obviously would be that player for the Colts. And to talk about that and much more, Joel A. Erickson joining us. From the Indianapolis, Starry joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joel, good morning, sir. Hope all is well. Be at a great weekend your way. Do you uh, expect, probably not today, but in the next couple weeks, do you expect that Michael Pittman does receive the franchise tag? Let's start there. I I just think they kind of have to. Um, Pittman's you know, expressed a desire to, to see what the open market has to offer. It doesn't really make sense. Uh, for the Colts to let that happen in any way, um, I, I it just I'd be surprised. They 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 had three receivers last year who essentially played all of the snaps, and if you take one of them away, you're kind of putting yourself in a corner where you have to. Uh, I feel like you essentially would have to like sign T Higgins or something to make up for it. So I I, I would think that they they tag him eventually. Yeah, Joel, that's kind of where I've been of like, okay, tell me a realistic plan B. I, I, I'm all ears. I will listen, but I just haven't heard anyone offer that that I can sit there and like somewhat nod my head at. By the way, I saw you from afar at the All-Star Game. Apologize for not saying hello. There was a lot of people oh, there. Boy. I was I was largely intimidated by I'm all the sure. people there. Joel, how was your All-Star Game experience? Uh, it was it was fun. It's uh, Anytime I uh, – when I get to cover those big events that aren't football, it's kind of fun. There's like a – um, sort of like a, a, a little bit less pressure to the whole thing. Um, I, I don't know that I got super excited about the basketball I saw, but I think that's, I think you kind of know that going in. Um, yeah, just kind of fun to be on the, uh, be around everything downtown. Uh, did, I was in the crossover event a little bit on Sunday. That place was insane in terms of how much. I was going to say, did you, did you take your were. boys? I'd have loved it. I, I did not take my boys uh, down. Uh, when I got in there, I was like, man, I wish I, I if they had been, not been in school like on Friday or something when it wasn't quite so crowded, it would have been a good time. But yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I, like all, you know, I felt like you could shoot a basketball. Well, shoot, you could shoot a basketball like on the street on the way from the convention center to Gainbridge. That was great. Like, I've shot a basketball more in the last five days than I've <laughs> shot in the last probably five years combined there. So, uh, yeah, I was very much loving that. Um, I do want to get, by the way, I believe you have a, um, I don't know if it's a hot take on how to change up the All-Star game, but um, I do want to get to that before we exit. But obviously, Colt specific here with Joel A. Erickson from the Star. Do you think another element of the Pittman franchise tag idea is this, and it might be too far-fetched, so obviously feel free to disagree, but in tagging him and not giving him a long-term deal until mid-July, doesn't that leave you wiggle room if anything crazy or unforeseen arises this offseason? Like, if all of a sudden, you know, and again, I'm throwing out a hypothetical here, but if you get a team, like the Titans a few years ago, it's like, yep, A.J. Brown is now for sale, if you don't give Pittman Jr. the long-term deal, you might feel a little bit better financially to insert yourself into a conversation like that. Again, the hypothetical is probably far-fetched, but I feel like that's another part of giving him the tag, being patient on the long-term deal, that I'm curious if Chris Boward will entertain at all. Well, I, I think, I think you know, the the options open, I think that's also part of the reason that maybe that the teams don't really franchise uh, people, when the window opens, typically they usually wait till later in the deadline. You know, you you wonder like if you're going to franchise this person anyway, why don't you just do it right away? Well, if you could somehow work out the combines coming up, that's when a lot of GMs meet with the agents for their uh, for their in-house free agents and 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 talk things out. If you if you could lock you know lock up your obvious tag candidate to a a long-term deal, well then maybe you can use a tag somewhere else. Uh, if if you don't if if you've got that person already locked up to a deal, I, I don't think that's going to happen with Pittman. But you know that's 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 one of the options and one of the reasons that teams wait. It who would be most are, likely in, in that case? Sorry to interrupt, Grover, Kenny, or Julian Blackman. I I think it'd be Blackman, and the reason would be because of black because the safety tag is probably pretty low compared to everything else. Like if you're if you're trying to tag Grover Stewart, you're putting him up with like. You know Aaron Donald's contract, right? And, Dexter and Lawrence, Chris Jones, yep. Cornerback, cornerback is kind of the same thing. You, it's the top five there is pretty high paid. Safety is not. So if if you were to work out a deal and you were going to tag somebody, you, you'd tag Blackman because the the one year deal there is probably not nearly as prohibitive. Joel A. Erickson joining us uh, following the Colts for the Indianapolis Star. He joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You know, for the people that say Chris Ballard doesn't pay wide receivers, what would be your response to that with Michael Pittman? Um, I, I think, I think in general, uh, Pittman's different because Pittman represents something that hasn't been available necessarily uh, outside of outside of uh, you know the one year deal with T. Y. Hilton in his time. It's just. He's in house, and and Ballard, Ballard, you know, really, really values paying his own guys in house. Um, plus, I, I think, I think we've probably talked about this on this on this on, on your show before. But Pittman is kind of like the perfect Ballard receiver in my mind because he's so willing to do the dirty work. He's so physical. Um, I, I a lot of the stuff that Ballard always talks about wanting to see in a player is, is the way Pittman plays. So I, I think that's part of it for me is just and then, you know, the the answer he gave in the answer he gave in his postseason press conference about the wide receiver market, 
you know, if you if if the cost is four dollars a gallon, you have to pay four dollars a gallon. I, I thought that was a, a, a hint that he was acknowledging where things have gone in the receiver position. He's Joel A. Erickson does an outstanding job covering the Colts for the Indianapolis Star. He's with us here on the Payless Cigars Hotline. Joel, did I read correctly in your piece the second longest franchise tag drought? I don't know if drought's the right word. Is the Colts haven't used in yeah, eleven years? Yeah, that's. That's uh, that's what I that's that's what my understanding based on like what I was looking at yesterday is mm. the only team that's that's gone longer without using it is the Eagles, mm. um, and the last time was McAfee in 2013. I think part of that uh, speaks to the fact that they locked up guys ahead of time. Sure. In general, you know, I mean, like we talk about the John, we talk about, and obviously the Jonathan Taylor thing did get. Uh, pretty spicy there for a while, but they still ended up signing him before he even got to free agency. They they haven't really let these guys get um, to the to the market, including like the specialists. Because I think I think like you know they them tagging McAfee. I was looking through some of the history of the other teams. There's there's kind of a lot. Well, more more kickers and punters than I would have expected have gotten tagged in the last ten years. But then you think about it, if you've got a guy in a free agent, the the, the kicker tag or punter tag is not very high. That kind of makes sense too, but um, yeah, no, they they have not used it in more than a decade, um, which is is a little surprising when you look at the rest of the league. It's it's every other team has used it so, like the Cowboys end up tagging people all the time. I think they would be like on the high end of the usage, but for the most part, it just seems like it's like kind of what Ballard said. It's just part of the business. And it's kind of surprising that the Colts have somehow gotten through a decade without having to give somebody, without giving somebody a tag. Yeah, I remember I did this exercise in my, ha- in my head a few months ago. I can't think of anybody, though, I feel like deserved to be tagged or like I had a wild right. debate over even in that time span either. Shifting gears just a little bit. And again, Joel A. Erickson from The Star covers the Colts. He's with us here on the Payless Sickers Hotline. I tossed this to Andy's way a little bit early in the show. What needs would you label more draft-related? What needs would you label more free agency-related here in the offseason? I'll give an example of each. For the draft, I think at some point, not early, at some point, you need to try and find the center of the future. Uh, Probably a middle-ish round pick. Free agency-wise, I think that's where you go for corner versus drafting another one early. What say you on draft needs versus free agency needs? I I think... I think center 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 in the draft is a is a really good one that people are probably not not thinking about or talking about. I think linebacker fits in there. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I think linebacker fits in sort of the same category of you know not necessarily a high pick, but those Ballard's done well finding starters in the middle of the late rounds at linebacker, and they're kind of they're a little light behind Franklin and Speed with those guys kind of coming up on the end of their deals. I think I think that's definitely a spot that's draft corner free agency because just i mean like that one seems obvious just because they they don't have guys with with a whole ton of experience coming back you got to have somebody there who who knows what they're doing i think especially after the stuff they said about gus bradley and why they brought him back was they didn't give him enough you know there were calls he couldn't make that kind of thing well you if you're going to bring him back then you have to give him some of that stuff um I I kind of would throw receiver in the wider in the in the draft I think 
Um, Andy said people, both. Andy said, right? You, you said both draft and free agency. Well, yeah, I'm just I, I'm skeptical of, of of Pierce. I just am. And, you know, they were so light that once they had any injury, I mean, you saw Josh Downs limping around middle of the year and then go back to that Atlanta game when Michael Pittman wasn't available. I mean, they were just uh, they were just pathetic offensively. I think you need a vet better than Isaiah McKenzie. And then if you go out and there's a fourth rounder, it's a deep wide receiver draft and you can draft another guy. I don't see I don't see any problem with that at all. And that's me assuming obviously Pittman's back next year. Yeah, I could get on board with that. I mean the the, the number you're looking for is that outside of the top three guys, the the most snaps anybody played was something like hundred and twenty four. Mm. Or hundred and fifty wow. or something like that. It's 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 really remarkable. Typically in the NFL, four receivers play a fairly significant percentage of the snaps. It was basically just Pittman, Pierce, Downs the entire season. They kind of got lucky in that um, between all all those three guys combined, the, the, the Pittman concussion game was the only one that they that any of them missed. So, uh, like, yeah, you could definitely add two guys there, especially when you look at like what's what's on the roster behind them. There's not a lot you can count on. I, I was thinking draft more in terms of, like, if you're looking for the upside play, I, I think the free agent class behind, like, the Pittman and the Higgins is, is pretty risky. Yeah. And we've kind of seen over the last couple of years that, you know, outside of, you know, the Kirk signing was a good one for Jacksonville. But there's been a lot of, of bad free uh, wide receiver free agent contracts thrown around. Joel A. Erickson with us here on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. I just want to go back to Pittman for a second. You know, boy, I don't know if you guys, because I didn't work here then, if you guys forecasted that the contract situation could get, you mentioned spicy with Jonathan Taylor. Again, Pittman, even after the season's like, hey, playing on the tag, I don't want to, but it's a ton of money up over $21 million for me to play and make all that money in one year would be fantastic. Could you foresee a situation, I guess, do you think that this could get spicy or contentious the way it did with Jonathan Taylor should the Colts tag Pittman and we're sitting here, you know, late summer getting ready for August and they still don't have a deal hashed out? I this is I think the difference between the two guys is that Pittman, because his dad played in the NFL for so long, seems to be pretty aware of how the NFL contract negotiations work in a way that some other players aren't. Um, and so... But that, but I will say this: I don't think that that means that that we're not going to have um, anything that would like seem spicy from the outside. I just think that there are there are negotiation tactics and stuff that happens when a team franchise tags somebody that I would say agents and probably general managers too view as more part of the way business gets done than fans do. And I think that you could maybe see some of those things employed. Um, I just think that, you know, some of the stuff Pittman said about the tag and understanding that's a way to work towards the long-term deal, all that stuff. I think he's pretty realistic about how the, all this works. Now, I, I think if the fan base sees, you know, the threat of a whole uh, of a holdout or something, I think they're going to be thinking of it as it's super acrimonious. That, that's also just kind of what, the, the the player does like you think about like Bosa did it last year with San Francisco, 
I don't think there's any issues with Bosa in San Francisco. It's just that's the way to get his money. Again, Joel A. Erickson is with us here from the Indianapolis Star Combine starting next week. Some important dates in the NFL calendar about to be here for the offseason. Joel Gardner Minshew, um, you know, it's pretty clear he wants to be a starter. Um, I, I Colts obviously can't offer that. I don't know how many teams can offer that, to be frank. But certainly there are teams that can offer a more realistic shot at playing time. Ultimately, do you think the Colts will have to find a new backup QB? I do. I think somebody else is going to give Minshew um, – whether or not it's a cha- – like, whether or not it's a an actual – I don't think he's necessarily going to get an actual – like, I don't think he's going to get the Nick Foles deal that, that Foles got from Jacksonville where, it was, where Foles was a backup and they essentially signed him to be a starter. I don't think that's probably going to happen. But I do think there's going to be an opportunity to – be in a situation like he was last year where he could start a lot if the player they are planning on drafting is not is is injured or not ready um and and i i think there's also the possibility of if a team is kind of sometimes teams get in this spot where they're kind of like we're just going to kind of see where we are because we don't have the the capital or whatever the, the assets to get get up there for the top quarterbacks i think that's possible i just think that there's a chance that Gardner Minshew, after getting the after the Colts almost went to the playoffs with him starting the, the vast majority of the games, I think some team is going to give him, you know, a, a really good backup deal, which is which can be as much as ten, eleven million dollars a year. I don't know if I, I don't know if I would say the Colts should do that, um, and 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 he'll probably have a chance to start. And I think that probably means he moves on. They got they've got to find a new backup. Joel A. Erickson uh, from the Star hanging out with us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joel, last one for me. How would you fix the All Star Game? Let's hear it. What would you do? I I <laughs> so, I, I was sitting there uh, waiting for the All Star Game to start because obviously that it you know it said eight p.m. and it it was there like I think it started like eight thirty five or something. And uh, I I want to I want to turn it into NBA Jam. I want to turn it into NBA Jam. We can, we've got the LED court now, and that means uh, like you can put hot spots on the floor. So, like I just like the idea of Tyrese Halliburton taking the ball uh, and dribbling up the floor, and all of a sudden a six appears at thirty-five feet, and if he hits it from thirty-five feet, he gets six points. I also I also wanted to go two on two because if you play forty-eight minutes. Uh, with 12-man rosters of two-on-two, guys only have to play eight minutes. And and then I think it's fun. Like I was thinking about like the New Orleans uh, tournament in in golf, where the guys pair up. Like they, it's always fun to see who guys pick. Like you could let the players pick who their partner is. The matchups get fun. Where like, what if Steph Curry is on the floor and the other team has chosen two guys who are six eight? How does that play into it? I also think I didn't put this in the column I wrote, but uh, I think if people are like, "Well, you're not going, no one's going to get any defense," not that there's any defense in the real All Star game, but uh, if people remember playing NBA Jam, there were times you could just goaltend. And what if you just made goaltending goaltending fine for this? Draft Victor Webanyama for your team. <laughs> yeah, you get all kinds. There's all kinds of intrigue there. I I think I'd watch the heck out of it. I, I do, they do I, that I in FIBA, the don't they? They do that in FIBA, don't they? Like you can, you yeah, you can take the ball off the you, rim. You can take the ball right off the rim, which I think is a fantastic rule. I, I love it. I mean, if we're going to do NBA Jam, we got to light the ball on fire, though. 
might burn their hands. Uh, that I would had, be the only I thing. I had people. I had people on X who were coming up with ways for the basket to look like was on fire, which I loved. And my on fire thing is just if you get, if you actually make three baskets in a row without the opponent scoring, that means that your next shot counts no matter if it goes in or not. Oh, look at this! What if it's like double the points? I like it. So well, like, so like, you know, you get you get three shots in a row. You're on fire. You take a rebound off the board and you just throw it at the hoop from 75 feet. And it counts. Because obviously you can't make the ball go in the way you can in the game, but you can you can give them that. <laughs> Gosh, you have really thought this through here. <laughs> I had a lot of time. I Adam had a lot Silver of time. Consulting on Line on, 1 here. There's a column on Indie Star uh, where I, I thought through some of it. I, I didn't put the goaltending piece in there because I couldn't quite work it out in my head, but I still think that if you're if it's two-on-two two, – like, in theory, you just put, like, Wembenyama down there and he just swats it. But that would also encourage running because you have to get to the basket before the other guy gets there to goaltend you. The brain of Joel A. Erickson <laughs> on full display here Sunday night inside I love it. Of Again, he Cambridge had 45 Field. minutes he, to figure it, it out. It was 841 when the game yeah. started. Who was paying attention? Me, Joel. That's who. 841. <laughs> I remember the exact time. Well, the thing is, they have to start it so late because there's no stoppages within the game. Well, the game just flies point. by. Fair point. I'm like, wait, Halliburton's been at the scores table for how, how many straight minutes? <laughs> for six minutes. Before he's checking in. Uh, Joel, we will see you downtown next week at the Combine. Do, uh, Andy asked me this earlier. Do we have a date on Steichen and Ballard meeting the media? For some reason, I thought it was Tuesday. Uh, I don't think we have an official one. Um, maybe. I, I don't think we have an official one yet, though. Yeah, typically the, it'll be it'll be Tuesday or Wednesday. That's always what it is. All right, prospects then start to uh, chat on Thursday. All right, Joel, good seeing you from afar uh, the other night. Thank you for the time. Yeah, you bet.